welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST88. It's the Zoog's Rift album, Looser Than Clams. It's a greatest hits record. I think it's the first greatest hits record we've done. Um, whether or not it actually contains greatest hits might be debatable. <laughs> but uh, it's a Zoog's record all the same. And uh, we enjoy Zoog's, so this will be a good one. Yeah. Brant, I've got a couple of spiels if I can go. Yeah, man. So the first one's a bit of a downer, unfortunately, but you may have seen how Rocky Erickson passed away. Yeah. That's a that's a big loss. He hasn't really put out a bunch of, well, many tunes, I guess, since that Oakerville River record, mm -hmm. as far as I can tell. But the records that he did put out way back with the 13th Floor Elevators and then with the Aliens and his other solo stuff were hugely influential and big favorites of mine you actually turned me on to rocky when i was in college way way back like 20 years ago or something yeah. and uh so i owe that to you but he was also a big influence on a lot of the musicians that uh we are fans of and that we cover on this show i don't know if you're watching like on the internet everyone was posting pictures yeah. of SST alum with Jamascus, Watt, Henry. Yeah. Like just uh, tons. So big loss. And uh, unfortunately, too, like for those who haven't seen the documentary, I mean, he definitely suffered some major mental health issues. And he had kind of a crazy mom, I would say. So he didn't actually have like the easiest life, but he released some killer killer tunes that will be influential for a long time yeah for sure i was uh when i got the news it was on the 31st of may when i got the news kind of on the way home from my work i just flipped over to the e section of my ipod and i rocked all the way home with rocky i did the same thing i yeah. was on a road trip this weekend and we we were rocking the rock yeah man on the on the road trip but you know what i think about every time this happens I just think about all the heroes. I, I start thinking about specific people that are heroes to me that I'm going to outlive and how much it's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. When they all die. Yeah. Yeah. I just start, I just start thinking of very specific people. Yeah. yeah. Well, you never know. I mean, we're definitely going to outlive some heroes, but there might be new heroes in the making right now and we just don't know it yet and they will outlive us. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Good point. It has to be true. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is I saw kind of a promo for an upcoming documentary that I thought looked really cool. And I would would mention it. It's it's either called The Decline of Midwestern Civilization or Minnesota Hardcore. Did mm. you see that ad come across the web? It sounds familiar. Yeah, I think I did see something like that. Yeah, it's. It's on um, this website called, well, tptoriginals.org, Twin Cities PBS Originals. And it seems like it's a Minnesota-specific website. And it's this uh, documentary series that will, well, I don't know if it's a series. Maybe it's just a show. It's like a three-minute preview, but it's got, uh, like, Tom Hazelmeyer from Halo of Flies, Autos, Chemical Lounge and Amphetamine Reptile, of course, and uh, Dave Perner, 
from Soul Asylum. It's got lots of footage of Husker Du. Uh, talks about the replacements as well. It's it's really covers Minnesota hardcore in particular, though, from 1980 to 1985. Mm. So I'm definitely going to keep that in my favorites bar on um, on the interweb here and keep checking back for when that one's up because it looks right up my alley and it looks like it would be up the alley of a lot of people who tune into the show. You know what sucks about document these some of these music documentaries is how long it takes them for to come out on oh yeah on, like <laughs> yeah. on DVD or whatever right or Blu-ray or streaming. It's like yeah. I've been waiting for that Public Image Limited documentary to come out for a year already, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, I've been waiting to see the uh, the Sonics one. Yeah. Um, there is also a Victoria, British Columbia documentary that is it's out there, but you can't get it. Yeah. There's the, that one hasn't been released yet. Yeah. Uh, what the fuck, man? Yeah. And then it'll be on YouTube like three years from now. <laughs> yeah, I, <know. laughs> I did get a documentary in the mail the other day off Amazon that I bet you you would like. What's that? The uh, the Stiv Baders documentary. Yeah, is it good? Have you watched it? I have not watched it yet. Hmm. But uh, when I got that, I thought of uh, you um, and my buddy Graham, who would both really enjoy it as well. All right. Well, I've got a few for you. I've got a, a couple podcast recommends. I guess these aren't for you, Ryan, because you don't like podcasts. So, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't. It's not. It's not that I don't <laughs> like podcasts. It's I. I like podcasts just fine. Oh, the 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 issue is that I would rather listen to music than listen to a podcast. That's that, it. That's fair. Yep. Okay. So the Vinyl Guide. We've talked about them before. Nate Goyer. Yeah. Uh, Greg Workman from Ipecac Records was on the podcast. It's Ooh, That'd be a good one. It was really good. Ipecac is celebrating 20 years this year, which, wow. Like, he actually talks about the first records they released and the Melvins trilogy was yeah. like record two, three, and four they released. And I, I remember that like it was yesterday. Me too. The Crybaby, the Maggot, and the Bootlicker. Yeah. So it's a great interview. He talks about how he met Mike Patton. Would you like to know how him and Mike Patton came to be friends? Most definitely. They had a band that they both really liked that they went to see a lot and they bonded over a over this very specific band called uh, No Means No. Oh, right on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's No Means No is a real favorite of ours. Oh, yeah. It's actually they... one of the bands you and I bonded over. For sure. Do you know, um, funnily enough, I it's there's so much music out there, and then with having to listen for the podcast, I haven't listened to No Means No for a while, and I was just like, I, I put on the album One the other day. It's a good one. What a monster of a record. Like, every No Means No album is good, but that one is just insane. But anyway. It's one of my favorites, that yeah. one. Oh, for sure, man. Tell me more about this uh, podcast, though. Oh, well, he talks about um, some of his favorite releases on the label, the Melvins, uh, his time at Alternative Tentacles, how he met Jello Biafra, how Jello asked him to come work for AT. He talks about Mr. Bungle a lot. It sounds like we might actually see some new Bungle. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. All of their records are good. You know, yeah. it's interesting. Um, on the, For the Zoogs episode, I was like, 
oh man, I don't want to talk about Zappa the whole time again, right? <laughs> um, but it, it's hard not to notice it when you listen to Zoogs. And I was like, so what other kind of stuff out there would be either a contemporary or influenced by Zoogs? And one of the things that came to my mind was actually Mr. Bungle. Yeah, yep, for sure. I've checked out that vinyl guide before like he gets some good guys on there right he does yeah. he definitely gets some great guests and uh he kind of sounds like like jello biafra uh on the uh the mtv get off the air like <laughs> hi i'm your radio dj i always act like i'm wigged out on quaaludes <laughs> i wear a satin baseball jacket everywhere i go yeah he the the vinyl guide host. He definitely sounds like a real host, not like Brant and I. <laughs> <laughs> not like Bob and Doug McKenzie talking about SST Records, as one review put it. Yeah, I'll take off, yeah. eh? Yeah. Um, another podcast rec recommend is another one we've talked about before. Turned out a punk. No doubt. Yeah, he had Milo Ackerman on there. Oh, really? He also yeah, he also had Sean and Mark Stern from Youth Brigade and BYO. I haven't listened to that one yet, but the Milo one's great. They talk about New Alliance, SST, Milo doing vocals on Loose Nut. They talk about The Last. Slovenly Peter gets a mention. Saccharine Trust. He talks about seeing Black Flag at Pollywog Park. The Minutemen. Uh, the Chiefs get a mention. Wow. It's a good one. It must have been like a punk rock bowling It was, yeah. Thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, one thing I will give it to Damien about is that he definitely, he knows the stuff and he does his research. Yeah, for sure. My final spiel, Ryan, and I have a, uh, I, well, before I talk about this record, I'm going to just say, I, anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I love DOA. They are one of my top five favorite bands. Uh, I have total respect for Joe Keithley. You know, he... He's just, he's a hero of mine. He walks the walk with his activism, you know. It's not a bunch of bullshit. I've worked with Joe before several times, and he is an absolute treat to work with. He's a really sweet guy. One of the nicest guys in the business that I've had the pleasure of working with. I buy everything that says DOA on it. If DOA releases an album, it is coming into my house for sure. I even bought... The CD reissue that he put out a couple years ago of Let's Wreck the Party, a not very good DOA album that I already have on cassette and vinyl, hoping, <laughs> <laughs> hoping that it would sound better. It does not. <laughs> Did you buy like that, uh, that old collection? Yes. So that's what I'm, I'm getting at. I bought this 1978, right. right? Yeah. Spiel it for the dudes, man. Well, as I said, I love DOA and I have, so it says on the back of this and in all of the pr promo stuff for the record, 21 never before released tracks and singles, 1978 to 1982. I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard any of them before, Brad? <laughs> I, I believe the 21 is a typo. It should actually the, should not have the one on there because there's two <laughs> never before released tracks on this album. And you don't even have to be a DOA completist to, to have all these tracks. A number of them are on the Lost Tapes. 
Oh yeah. Got it. That came out Got a it. while ago. Yep. Any self-respecting DOA fan has that. You still need the Lost Tapes. It's got great stuff that's not on this compilation, like the alternative version of Let's Wreck the Party. A, a lot of these tracks are on the CD reissue of War on 45. Many of them are on the old Alternative Tentacles compilation, Dawning of a New Error. Many of them are on the famous DOA compilation, Bloodied But Unbowed. Almost all of the singles released here are on the Punk Rock Singles Collection. The comp tracks are on the recently reissued uh, Vancouver Complication album that you can still get through Sudden Death. Uh, a lot of the tracks are on the DOA compilation War and Peace. Some of them are on the DOA compilation Greatest Shits. And all of the singles have also been reissued. Like World War Three, Disco Sucks, The Prisoner all reissued on fairly recently on, on Sudden Death. There are two unreleased tracks on here. The Enemy, a 1979 dem demo of The Enemy, and a track called Rip Disjoint, which is another 79 demo. I think it's got Randy on vocals, Randy Rampage. And I say I think because my other uh, complaint about this is there are zero liner notes. Wow, what label is that on? It's on sudden death. No way. So what's the, I don't know, man. What's the deal, Joe? I don't know. Joe's still. I I don't. If any, look, man. I don't begrudge Joe making a few bucks. He's touring like a madman. It's always great to have new stuff to sell on the road. And look, if you don't have any of that stuff I just mentioned, especially like if you don't have the DOA punk rock singles collection, you should buy this because it's got. You know, all the great singles like World War Three and The Prisoner. And if you don't have the Lost Tapes, you should get it. It's got, you know, all those great demos like America the Beautiful. Um, uh, what else? Liar for Hire demo. There's good stuff on here, man. It's just... And even knowing what everything I just said, I still would have bought it. Which you did. But <laughs> a, little, a little bit of a dis disappointment for... A, a DOA completist like me, but what are you going to do? Do you have the Donald Trump single by DOA? Of course I do. Okay, attaboy. <laughs> you are, after all, a self-respecting DOA fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually, I'm not as big of a fan as you are. I am a fan for sure. Um, way more of like, would you say that DOA, you, you said they're in your, your top five? And and would No Means No be in your top five? There's like thirty bands in my top five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know. Yeah. I yeah, I I hear you. <laughs> so so, I guess what I would say is like No Means No is for sure in my top five. Um, as as is like you know the replacements and a bunch of other, you know, around thirty bands or so. But DOA has not been in my top five. But I have all that stuff that you mentioned. You know everything that you mentioned in terms of like compilations or lost tracks or something like that, I've picked them up over the years and they are awesome. They're good. They're great. They're solid. That's kind of why when, when I saw this one, I was like, ah, you know, I've already got like five or six DOA compilation albums. You know, is there really that much more in there that I need to hear? Man, but I put it on and when like the prisoner came on, 
like I was grooving to it hard. <laughs> and that's a track I've heard a gazillion times. Yeah. Oh, I still like uh, like World War Three and Race Riot. You know that you know what album by DOA that doesn't get a lot of love that I will always love. And I guess there's a there's a no means no connection though, but is the black spot. Yeah, that's good. We've talked about that one before. Yeah. Great record. Great record. Also bought the sudden death reissue of that and just in case. And it's the exact same version I already have. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, someone's got to keep them in business and on the road. <laughs> I'm doing my part. That's right. All right. Ryan, are you looser than clams? I don't know, man. I feel, I don't feel quite as loose as clams, but I'm getting there. I am not looser than clams, oh. but <laughs> I am not. That's actually, uh, we'll get to it at the end, but that's actually an Elvis Costello lyric. But why don't we get into some Zoogs? History lesson, part one. All right, where should we start, Brent? Should we remind folks of the first time that we got into Zoogs? Well, here's what we should do. Yeah, first, if if you haven't heard episode, what is it, 77? Yeah, the Island of Living Puke episode. Go back and listen to that because we have an interview with Mr. California on there, Craig Unkrich. And he was in Zoogs' band, and I hit him up for this one. Oh, good. Because there's, yeah, here's there's what... nothing out there on Zoogs. Like, we we mentioned this in episode 77. The only thing that's really out there for Zoogs, I mean, we covered kind of, um, ex except for deep dives into the albums, we kind of covered it in the first episode. So it's great that Craig can give us some, uh, some tidbits. Yeah, well, here's, here's a few tidbits from Craig. It's a compilation of tunes spanning Zoogs' career to that point. There is one new song, a cover of Elvis Costello's High Fidelity, which we had been playing on stage for about a year. When they got back from tour, the touring band, which was Zoogs, Ed, Richie, and Jonathan recorded the song specifically to include on this compilation. The Eiffel Tower was a Zoba song, and the fidelity of the transfer is terrible. I'm not sure why, but it is that sort of thing that compelled Zoogs a year later to use the actual vinyl discs to master the four reissues, which are Idiots on the Miniature Golf Course, Amputees in Limbo, Ipecac, and Interim Resurgence, rather than going back to the master tapes. That's it. That's what I got. Okay. Yeah. And for those um, who recall from episode 77, we did kind of mention that we will eventually get to those additional four records. Idiots on the Miniature Golf Course is SST-123. Amputees in Limbo is SST-122. Ipecac is 120. And Interim Resurgence is 121. And then there is uh, Island of Living Puke. Those are the five records that are, are covered on this Greatest Hits collection with those uh, two tracks that Brant mentioned. I found a cool interview with Zoogs where he's talking about Zobus, which is kind of uh, relevant because the first track on here, Eiffel Tower, is a Zobus track, which, it, again, if you didn't listen to the Island of Living Puke episode, Zobus was his band prior to moving out to LA. Uh, so when they were out in New Jersey, he had become friends with the avant-garde composer John Cage, and he was really into experimental and electronic music. 
So he put Zobus together, he says, not to be a rock and roll band, but to be an experimental avant-garde band with a rock and roll flavor. And this was in like 1975, and he buys an ARP 2600 synthesizer, which is a very famous synth. If you don't know what it is, like look it up on YouTube. It is, it looks like, you know, when you see pictures of those prog guys like Keith Emerson or whatever, and they just have walls of these insane looking synths. <laughs> That's what an ARP 2600 looks like. One of those things it's got, you know, modulators all in it, all over it and plugins like all over the thing. It's a pretty crazy looking synthesizer. Anyways, he tells a story about playing this avant-garde festival in Trenton, New Jersey with Zobus in 1975. And I, I can't remember if he was like feeling dejected about his career or whatever, but he, what he did, Zoogs, is he gathered up every piece of art he'd ever created. Like all these paintings and films, sketches, plays he'd written. And he had this plan of destroying them all at this festival. So in the middle of Zobus's set, he, he gathers them all up. And he starts yelling at the crowd, destroy all art, destroy it before it destroys you. And the way he describes it in this interview is hundreds of people just started like tearing up and burning all of his art <laughs> and yelling, yeah, destroy all art. And the band looks over and they see this whole line of cops like nervously tapping their billy clubs like they're ready to pounce. And Richie Haas just looks over, over at Zoogs and <laughs> says, I think we better get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they just pack up and split while all these people, they're like the crowd just destroys his life's work. <laughs> up till that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, nothing like a clean slate. Yeah. Before we start talking about this record, Ryan, I just want to say something about Zoogs Rift, though. They are the band that everyone references when they want to say SST went off the rails, you know, in 86, 87. Yeah, man. And it's not fair. Totally not. I, I think it's awesome that Greg and Chuck said, we think this Zoog's Rift stuff is cool and we don't care what anything anyone says about it. And we don't care about, com you know, commercial considerations. And that is one of the things that makes SST awesome. Good point. Yeah. They also don't care. That it's not punk or like, you know, yeah. like traditionally punk or hardcore or whatever. I mean, if you if you listen back to um, the interviews and uh, and the write ups from Watt and Chuck and everything, you know, they would say this is punk. It's but it's like the closed minded people who would say, you know, this is crap. This isn't punk. I don't I think SST has. What's the Watt quote? Punk is whatever we want it to be. Yeah, or something like that. And I mean, I don't know. What's more punk than Zoog's Rift? The dude made art the only way that he knew how, and he definitely did not try and make it to get famous. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can tell in any interview with you read with Zoog's Rift, he wasn't like, you know, some poser, man. No. He was an artistic guy that just had this shit in him and was compelled to get it out. And you don't have to like it, but you have to respect the fact that SST put this out, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. And not only not only put out like this, right, but re-released his catalog. And he's a prolific guy, Zoog's Rift. I mean, he kept there's there's several albums 
out there by Zoogs after his SST tenure. What other label was doing that? Like, SST put out multiple Black Flag albums in a row. They do it, we'll be getting to another band, The Divine Horseman, where they did two releases back-to-back. Zoogs Rift, four in a row. What other record label in the 80s had the balls to do that? Especially when they knew they could probably not recoup the money. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't think that was even a consideration, man. It was just, we think this is cool, and that is the only standard that needs to be met. Yeah, that's a good point. People always, you know, and they're like, oh, man, you know, SST in 1986-87, Zoog's Rift, boom. It's like, are you kidding me? How many of those people have even heard Zoog's Rift? I don't know. Well, listen, you're absolutely right. You don't have to like Zoog's Rift. You do have to respect it. You do have to respect SST for putting it out. But all that is to say, I mean, Zoog's records are not an easy listen a lot of times. But that actually makes them pretty darn rewarding when you take the time to listen to them. Yeah. Those people that diss Zoogs are the same kind of people that probably say, fucking Ron Reyes is my favorite singer in Black Flag. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not a diss on Ron Reyes, man, but it's one single. Come on. No, I know. Hey, hey, Ron's on a a full-length album too, don't forget. (laughs) Right. I'm trying to forget that one. By the time we get there... By the time we get there, it's going to be a bona fide classic. We'll have all caught up yeah. to Greg Ginn by that point. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, though, um, have you seen any of the recent footage for Black Flag Live? There's a few clips out there now. Yeah. I still maintain I'd go see that. Definitely does not have like the power, the urgency of the 80s Black Flag, but definitely worth showing up to see, I would say. Yeah, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Let's talk about this record, man. History Lesson, Part 2. All right, Brant, where should we start with the songs? Let's start with Side 1, Track 1. How about that? (sighs) Sounds illogical, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is a Zoog's Rift record, so we should maybe be going backwards or something. I don't know. It should definitely be, like, schizophrenic. But yeah, let's start with the Eiffel Tower. We, We spoke a bit about it during... History lesson part one. This one's a cool song. I don't agree that, you know, the the sound quality sucks. It gives it a cool garage rock quality yeah. almost. It doesn't sound like the Zoog stuff we've heard. I like the the vibrato in, in Zoog's voice. Um, Richie is all over the vibes as usual. He's a monster yeah. on this record. I don't It's a cool track. Yeah. I'm glad it's on here. Yeah. I, I'd like to hear some more Zobus. I like it. Yeah. If he, if he didn't burn it all up. <laughs> yeah all the two inch tape or whatever yeah yeah that's a good one and uh this one is not on any of the uh the future sst re-releases because it's a zobus track but the next one is oh i have to i have to add one thing ryan i think scott colby gets a co-write on that song which is unusual usually they're all zoogs uh let me see let me see he's definitely mentioned in the credits yeah, on the uh, the LP, it's Rift slash Colby. And if I go through everything else on there, I didn't even notice that. Everything else on this record is Rift except High Fidelity. I can't wait to hear the Scott Colby record. I've never heard it. Yeah, me either. Yeah. 
So track two yeah. is the title track from the album Idiots on the Miniature Golf Course. Yep. And for me, I mean, I, I like it in the same way that I do the Eiffel Tower. It's uh, yeah. Richie's a monster on it. It's I, I got to say it. It sounds Zappa-esque, which I like. It's 28 seconds long. <laughs> it, I don't, I'm not even sure Zoogs plays on it. To me, it conjures up an image of like these cartoon characters running around a mini golf course, bumping into things. Yeah. Well, you know, part of, part of my love of Zappa and I mean, I'm not going to say that I love Zoogs like I do Zappa. I appreciate Zoogs because of the way that Zappa over the years has opened up my mind. But you mentioned cartoons and cartoon music when I was a kid definitely laid some track for a lot of the stuff that I still like today. Like, no doubt about it. And I'm talking like not just, you know, the stuff that, you know, the He-Man crap from the 80s or whatever. I'm talking Looney Tunes, right? Yeah, like that. The the scores that were in those original Looney Tunes, those were mind blowers as a kid. And then when you listen to them now, you can still appreciate it. And I can see connections to Zappa. I can see connections to Zoogs. Oh well, a lot of those cartoons used vibraphones, for example, and percussion instruments. Oh, yeah. Like you think about a cartoon of a cartoon character blinking. That's a that's a. that's a vibraphone or like a cartoon character on Bugs Bunny like tiptoeing that's vibraphone you know well be like uh, (laughs) or like the Flintstones think of the Flintstones think of Fred Flintstone on his tippy toes yeah Uh, it would be like um, like uh, Sylvester tiptoeing would be like pizzicato on the strings of the violins oh yeah for sure yeah no I mean that um, the uh the Carl Stalling compositions and uh, taking that all taking that Warner Brothers music and then uh, mixing it. What's that? What's that Bugs Bunny song where he's um, it's like the the barber one? Barber of Seville. Yeah. How about a nice clean shave? Teach your whiskers to behave. Lots, lots of lather. Lots, lots of soap. Of Please don't still don't be a dope. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of my DNA, man. Yeah, me too. Part of my DNA. And, I mean, you got to mention Raymond Scott, too, who uh, a lot of that stuff wasn't just, you know, Warner Brothers movie scores. A lot of it was Raymond Scott compositions, which, uh, I mean, Raymond Scott was a synthesizer pioneer as well, an electronic music pioneer. And so there are tendrils in all of that old Looney Tunes music to Zoogs, if you ask me. For sure. Oh, I guarantee you Zoogs was all over that stuff. Yeah. How about uh, Lobotomy 2? Not to be confused with Lobotomy 1. This is Lobotomy 2. (laughs) Another really short 26 seconds. It's a cool interlude. Weird inclusion on a Greatest Hits record, but it's Zoogs, so what do you want? Yeah. And, I mean, the the reed instruments on this one. Um, Again... Hard not to mention Zappa, but that type of like eon type type sound, you know, you definitely hear that in the early mothers stuff. Yeah. One thing I'll say, Ryan, is these tracks, these are other than the Eiffel Tower, these are the earliest tracks on the album. The Idiots on a, on a, the Miniature Golf Course record first came out in 1979 on Snout Records, which is Zeus's 
label. Yep. And the fourth track on this is Dinkle Dance. And this is the one that Craig, Mr. California Unkrich, mentions on during our interview that he heard, I think, at a friend's place. And it's the track that got him interested in Zoogs' music. So I have a question for you, Brent. Yep. What do you think the Dinkle Dance is? <laughs> it's pretty obvious, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, one thing I will say about this song is, I mean, it definitely has some juvenile lyrics, but the middle instrumental section is a monster. Oh yeah, that's what I wrote. Yeah, Shifts gears, like the first part sounds like children's music, and then it shifts gears into this total fusion jam. Uh, Zoogs is doing his best Chick Corea impression on the ARP 2600 synth. He's just going off. Yeah. The, the fuzz, the keys, the violin, the reeds are in full effect on this one. Yeah. Okay, we're shifting over to the Amputees in Limbo album now with the track Heart Attack. This one we talked about during the Island of Living Puke episode because this is the, the backing track that Zoogs is performing live during the nightclub sequence song on Island of Living Puke. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. one's got some pretty gnarly lyrics like Jacob Marley took a doll axe and bludgeon Tiny Tim. <laughs> this song reminds we mentioned Mr. Bungle at the outset of the episode. This song reminds me of Mr. Bungle and it also has on keyboards one of the best uh, band names of all time, Jonathan Mako Sharky. And speaking of cartoons, Ryan, next time you listen to Heart Attack, picture the Simpsons theme in your head. Oh, hmm. Yeah, I can hear it in there. And Matt Groening was like a fan of Zoog's riff. Oh, yeah, for sure he was. Uh, man, I can't even remember The Simpsons. It's like, I think I watched like the first eight or nine seasons, which is how many decades ago? And uh, okay, I'll have to check that out. Homework. Got it. How about art band? <laughs> More like a fart band. And you're getting out of hand. <laughs> this one sounds like a loop to me yeah agreed here's here's a lyric that i pulled out that i liked your car your chords are all diminished how long before it's finished you're going on and on succeeding with your con yeah i don't know maybe not a greatest hit how about the rhythm section though danny and mb gordy simmons <laughs> they have chops man <laughs> oh hey all the players on this record have got chops. Like, yeah. you know, in order to play this type of stuff, you, you got to be serious. It's like when people listen to uh, Trout Mask Replica, it takes a long time to understand the type of musicianship in order to play that record. But at the outset, it's, a, it's incredibly uh, difficult to get into for a lot of people. And it sounds like just racket you know now yeah. a lot of people will talk about trout mask replica that that's a captain beefheart record they'll talk about it and say like oh that's my favorite beefheart record that's not my favorite beefheart um i appreciate that record but that's not my favorite but a lot of people hold that one out as like a true test of of um being able to appreciate complex music but i i just identify that as something that it is hard 
to play music um, deliberately that sound like in sync that sounds like repetitive racket. It's really hard yeah. to do that. Yeah. I should say this Amputees in Limbo album first came out in 85 on some label called Cordelia Records. Yeah, it's interesting to see like I had very different dates like when we went through episode uh, 77, The Island of Living Puke. You mentioned Idiots on the Miniature Golf Course is 79. That or sorry, I had it as 79 on this record. It has it as 78. Amputees in Limbo, I had it as 82. It has it as 84 here. I don't know what to believe anymore. I'm getting a lot of my info off Discogs, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, track seven was a highlight for me. Secret Marines, the sequel. <laughs> yeah. You got this guy, Mar- Mark Mylar, Myler on synth. It's really, he's really good. It, and it looks like he and Zoogs made an album together in 1990 called Nutritionally Sound. Yes. At almost 10 minutes, this is the epic of the album for sure. The first three quarters of the song is a jam with this really wild synth. And then it shifts to a totally different vibe with Zoogs telling one of his typically insane story slash rants over top of it. He's talking about bats and brains and melting faces. The first part's wicked though. Yeah. Yeah. It was a highlight for me. Um, well, I mean, I've heard the song before, but when, when it came on, it's like, oh yeah, I could close the first side of the record with this song for sure. Yeah. Flip it over and we're getting into the album Ipecac with a song called No Use. This is the only track from Ipecac. And I think it's probably because, um, this was likely recorded already, but possibly exclusive to this release. Like maybe it, it wasn't out yet. Hmm. Because Epicac came out in 1987, right? Uh, again, I have it as 1984. It's that's, that's what I had the date as, uh, when we did the Island of living puke episode as 1984. Hmm. And it has it as 84 on the back of the jacket here as well. Okay, well, I could be wrong. If I am, it makes me wonder why there's only track one track off Ipecac. I guess we'll find out uh, when we get there. I hope this isn't the only good track because it's one of my contenders for ballot result. Oh, really? Yeah, I really liked it. So for me, uh, the Ipecac record is, I don't know, one of maybe one of my least favorite Zoogs records because it has like the uh, the electronic drum sound, which... Yeah, I don't mind that. But MB Gordy Simmons is listed listed as the drummer, so I thought maybe these were Lin drums. At first, I thought they were Mm. like like programmed drums too. But well, no, 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 not programmed. That's not what I mean. I'm I'm talking like these are you know electronic like drum pads that the dude is playing. Yeah, I'm okay with that. So did you catch, though, that at least for me, this is the first track that has the lyric in it, Looser Than Clams? Yeah, we're all looser than clams. Yeah. Now, you uh, you refrained from explaining what the Dinkle Dance is. Um, <laughs> might you be interested in explaining what Looser Than Clams is, Brent? I have no idea. I didn't know that that had anything to do with... with uh... Elvis Costello. 
Oh, I don't think it does. I think. Oh, I thought you said it does. Well, no. Well, no, because um, in the song on this album, when they cover High Fidelity, they uh, someone says during like the outro, the phrase, I am not looser than clams. Right. I assume they just threw that in because they knew it by the time they recorded this, that that was going to be the name of the comp. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I referenced Elvis Costello earlier only because of their version. I don't know, man. Do I want to know what looser than clams means? I don't know. I'm not sure I know what it is. I have a guess, and I hope it's not that. So let's go to the next <laughs> song. <laughs> uh, the next song is With the Necessary Changes Having Been Made. Another new group of musicians on this one. Again, he's talking about... This time, he's not looser than clams. Nope. In the previous one, we're all looser than clams. This one, he's definitely not looser than clams. It's a pretty annoying song, I gotta be honest. Yeah, not my favorite. Um, interesting, though, that this song, with the necessary changes having been made, the... like. The, the Latin meaning of that is the next song, Mutatus Mutandus. Yeah, both of these tracks, by the way, are off Interim Insurgents, which came out in 1985 on Snout. Again, that's Zeus's label. Yeah. Mutatus Mutandus is a cool song. It has a really fun vibe to it, cool effect on the vocals. Uh, it's hard to tell sometimes if the soloing on the album in general, is guitar or synth. Agreed. This one sounds like a guitar going through a wah pedal Zappa style. And it's good. Maybe a little bit long at six and a half minutes, but it's a cool track. It was a highlight for me. Me too. Always has been. Great tune. Then we're getting into some familiar territory. We're back on the island of Living Puke. Yeah, I didn't really write much. It was great to revisit those songs, Island of Living Puke torture sequence and you're killing me but i didn't really have anything new to add yeah we've been there before again like uh the players are ripping it up not my favorite songs off of island of P living puke though interesting yeah um that they would choose these i mean there's for i i know it's probably tongue-in-cheek that it's the greatest hits i would probably call it like a sampler and uh the the song selection is so bizarre that they've included on here because there are a few very standout tracks on here and then a lot of really weird stuff. Isn't that again, SST style though? Like every time we've talked about a promo single, we're always just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's the track you chose to yeah. push. That's wild. eh? Yeah. I love, uh, I do love the cover though of High Fidelity. I'm a, I'm a big Elvis Costello fan, the early stuff in particular, but I like kind of all eras of Elvis Costello, except for the Burt Backrack and Diana Krall crap. Yeah. This is a good cover. It's got a really nice guitar tone on it. Yeah. And then at the end he says, I am not looser than clams. And somebody goes, could have fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> what was going through their minds? Do you want to talk about the the album artwork? Yeah. The front cover is just a picture of Zoogs. He's holding up his Strat style guitar. I'm not sure it's a Strat, but it, it might be. It's a very 80s style Strat. Oh yeah, like look at that bridge, hey? Yeah. 
Like what? What do you call? Is that a Floyd Rose? Is that what that is? It looks like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got all the little dials and the whammy bar and stuff. He's got fingerless gloves on, Brent. I thought you'd like that. I bet you those smell really bad. <laughs> yeah, I bet you. I, I've I've played in bands with dudes that wore fingerless gloves, and they always just stank. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and uh, I'm reminded too um, about the full. The full title, um, it's Looser Than Clams, A Historical Retrospective, Greatest Hits, Volume 1, Brant. So let's not forget about that. Volume 2 is still to come, I think. Yeah. Uh, I believe, I believe Ryan, that that is a Naomi Peterson photo, if it, I'm not mistaken. It is, it is. It's given credit to Naomi on the back here. The, uh, the back of the jacket has got a six-panel Zoog's Rift cartoon on it. Basically, some dude ordering from a drive-thru window. And uh, When you say a Zoog's Rift cartoon, you mean he drew it? He drew it. He illustrated yeah. it. He, uh, he did the, the words. The captions. Yeah, yeah captions. And then um, it ends with a, uh, a shotgun blast at the end. Um, pretty detailed credits for all the songs on the back too which is nice yep it's uh it's really handy to listen along and read through the back of the jacket always love that gives credit to elvis costello for high fidelity and uh i'm hoping we're not missing anything major on some of these musicians but we'll be diving more into their history hopefully when we get to the individual albums yeah yeah well i don't know any of them, uh, I mean, like other than the ones that we've been through already on Island of Living Puke, like, and then of course Scott Colby. There's a few little things here and there. I mean, I love the name Mako Sharky. Um, there is, where's the other thing I really liked? Yeah, here we go. Uh, for the You're Killing Me song, uh, I don't know if we mentioned this on the Island of Living Puke episode, but it says um, Zoog's Rift, lead vocal. Mark Mylar's MIDI computer gizmos, everything else Richie Haas. I like <laughs> I like MIDI computer gizmos as an instrument. I like that. Yeah. That's about it, though. Interesting zoogs every time. Yep. Do you want to uh, hear about some dead wax? Hell yeah. Yeah. So he says, on side one, Dada lives. Music sucks. And uh, I'm pretty sure instead of Dada, it's not like, you know, father. It's the the artistic movement, Dada. Yep. Heavily influential on bands like Devo and whatnot. Side two says, music sucks, Dada sucks, you suck, ha ha ha. <laughs> That's it for Looser Than Clams. Ballot result? You better believe it. Ballot result. What are you into, Brent? My highlights were Secret Marines, No Use, and Mutatus. Mutatus? Mutatus Mutandus. I could go with any of those three. Did you have anything besides those ones? Yeah, well, Mutatus Mutandus would probably be my favorite. Also, Dinkle Dance, actually. Oh yeah, I like that one too. Because the, yeah. the middle section is just insane. I, uh, I was I was grooving pretty hard to that. You pick, man. We can do any of those. I like all of them. Mm. You know what? On the 
very, very off chance that someone listens to our ballot result compilation. <laughs> um, I almost don't want them to to hear Dinkle Dance because um, they may all like just skip past it. So I would go for Mutatus Mutandus. Done. Okay. Good one. Good one. Ryan, what's next week? Wow, next week is uh, is a very cool band that we've seen before, Slovenly. It's SST89, their album Repost, and uh, yep. we've got a special guest. Huge guest. Tom Kid Watson's going to be on the podcast next week. So awesome. I saw Tom play with Watt a couple of years ago, and it was uh, one of my all-time live music highlights. It's a great interview, man. I hope everyone tunes in. Right on. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at MoJackPod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is MoJackPod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.